The Starsport podcast is brought to you in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union now offers Cultivate Farm Finance and is ready to support local farmers. Cultivate is a farm finance option available from 40 credit unions around Ireland, including Access and Bantry Credit Unions here in West Cork. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by their credit union. To find out more, go to www.accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate or call on 028-21883. Cultivate is a loan specifically designed for farmers that provides short to medium term loan opportunities built specifically around the growing needs of our farming members. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. Our guest today is the new Beira GA Divisional Manager, Andrew Fitzgerald. Andrew, who is originally from the Spa GA Club in Killarney, is well known in both Kerry GA and basketball circles and comes to Beira with an excellent reputation. Later in the show we'll reflect on a marvellous weekend for West Cork athletes at the National Indoor Championships but Kieran, we have to start this week's podcast with a discussion about another Cork football loss, this time to Galway at Park Equive. You were at the park on Saturday evening so what were your own main takeaways? Did the first half performance give you a sense that this Cork side are maybe possibly perhaps starting to turn a corner there were seeds for optimism in that first half performance in the end it turned out like we thought it would Galway got the win and the and the two points and it's left Cork with one point after four games and really embroiled engulfed in a in a relegation battle but there was that first half it was one twelve apiece at half time and it was a good performance by, by Cork in fairness um you always had a sense that Galway had another couple of gears to go up. I just had that sense during the game. I remember saying it to one of the, the reporters beside me that it feels like if Galway want to step on the gas here, they can. And they did in the second half. And they, I think they won, was it a 3.22 or 3.23 to, to 2.17. And one of Cork's goals came right at the date as well to almost put a, a better glass on, on the score. But it was a better Cork performance but then when you look at the score, like it, it was, it was almost too high scoring. Um, we don't see those games in a football championship. It was almost like a, a challenge game at, at times, like the opening of a of, of a field and two teams going out going out at it. Um, like that's not almost what you're going to. You won't see that in a championship. Like the teams will tighten up an awful lot. Um, that's why it almost was an unrealistic league match in that way. But God, I had the the scoring power. Like Shane Walsh, my God, that man of number eleven is just sensational. 
and they got 2-7. His second goal, he was like Speedy Gonzalez flying through the, the Cork defence and what a finish as well. He, he was incredible. But there was bright spots for Cork. Um, I think Stephen Sherlock finished with 10 points. Uh, we spoke before about what would happen or who could help take some of the scoring pressure off Brian Hurley. And it was good to see Stephen Sherlock um, stand up and he got a couple of good scores. Blake Murphy got a great goal early on. Um, Cork played more on, on the front foot too. They put up 217, which was by far their biggest score in, in the league so far. But they need to get the balance right. Cork are far too open. Like to, to cough up three, 323 is just way too much. Um, so it leaves them going into this final three games, needing, I'd say, at least two wins to avoid relegation to Division 3. Kieran, talk to me a little bit more then about Stephen Sherlock's performance, because as you mentioned, 10 points, six from freeze, and the prospect of him and Brian Hurley lining up together at some stage this season is a tantalising one and would surely, surely strike fear into the defenders of the opposition from any other county. Yeah, it was brilliant to see Sherlock kind of take that club form that he showed with the Bears last year and take that to inter-county level because Sherlock is still unproven at inter-county level. We know Brian Hurley's been there, done that. He has the T-shirt. He was missing against Galway the last night because he had a shoulder injury that he picked up against Derry. So Keith Rickon told us afterwards that they, they erred on the side of caution and decided to, to rest um, to rest Brian Hurley, even though the Casalev men would have wanted to play that game but it was probably better after saving him just in case you kind of antagonise that shoulder injury. But Sherlock stepped up. He got 10 points, uh, like we said, six from freeze, but some lovely points from play as well. And just for Cork to have that extra scoring option up front, it just takes some of the pressure off Hurley. And it also gives the opposition uh, more of a headache instead of, or, or more problems to try and solve. Instead of just focusing on Brian Hurley, if you have Sherlock and Hurley up there together, there's two danger men, and that can only be good for, for Cork. Like I said, Blake, um, Blake Murphy got an early goal, and he finished with 1-2. Um, he got three points in the first half against Clare, so he's shown in flashes um, that he has he's something about him at intercounty level, and that's good as well, because Cork needs scoring options. But it's at the other end, I think, for that'll concern Keith Rick and like I said conceding 322 and what's more Sean Meehan went off injured against Galway the last day it looked like a hamstring injury but I, I can confirm that and Keith Rickon did confirm afterwards that Sean Powter will miss the next three league games with a hamstring injury and Keith Rickon said it was a significant enough injury and that's just a, a huge blow to Sean Powter first because that man has been through the just he's been through some torturous time with hamstring injuries but it's a big blow for Big blow for Cork too because John Potter is such a key player for, for this Cork football team. And we all want to see a fit and flying John Potter playing for Cork, but he's going to be missing for the next three games. And they're the three games that will decide Cork's uh, Division 2 face. They're going to be away to struggling meet next, then home to struggling down, then away to struggling awfully. So it's almost this mini series of games coming up where Cork are going to play the other three teams that are around them in that relegation dogfight. So in one sense, it's good that Cork have played the top teams. They've played Roscommon, Clare, uh, Derry and Galway. And they've got one point out of those four. But they can park those games to the side now because it's all about the next three games. And it's against teams that are around them, um, both on the board and almost in terms of ability on the football field this season. So that gives Cork a better chance of picking up the wins that they will need. And um, just to put your mathematician's hat on, then for a second, can you work out what exactly will Cork need to ensure they don't get 
dragged into a relegation situation? What do they need to guarantee their survival? Will the two wins from those three games be enough to guarantee or are they going to need at least two wins and a draw? You you, you, you crunch the numbers first, Kieran. You do this kind of stuff off the top of your head very quickly. I know I can see it in your eyes. You're ready to give me the answer that I want. You have to put me on the spot now, but I, I can say that at least Cork's destiny is in their own hands. Like I said, they're playing teams around them, so they know what they need to do. Um, ideally, if they get three wins, they'll be on seven points and they will be saved in. But I think almost two wins could be enough because they're playing they're playing teams that are around them. Mead and Offaly drew last Saturday. Uh, Mead got a late goal to, to draw that game. And I was trying to think, is that, or, is that good or bad news for, for Cork? Because what was in my thinking beforehand is that Offaly could be cut adrift by the time Cork played them in their last game. So it's almost not a dead rubber, but it could be a game that Cork could earmark for a win. The down game in Cork Equiva March 20 is, is huge. It's so big. Like Cork have to win that game. It's their last home game. They'll have to beat down. Going to wait uh, up to Navin next to take on Mead. That's on um, two weeks' time. Uh, that's again, um, if Cork can get something from that game. But I think. If Cork can get four points in their next six, that could put on five points. That could be enough. But it's an old answer again. It depends on results anywhere. But I think two Cork wins out of the next three would put them in a strong position uh, because they have that point they got against Clare. So at least two wins. Otherwise, Cork will be down in Division 3. And then that opens up the conversation about the Talton Cup, that Cork won't be in the um, All-Ireland Senior Championship for the Sam Maguire unless didn't they beat Kerry in the Munster Senior Championship semi-final, which I think we'll all agree here would be a huge shock. So as well as keep their Division 2 status, which Rickon said afterwards is quite important, Cork need to keep that status too if they want to compete in the in the, the Sam Maguire Cup this year. So that there's a lot on the line in the next couple of weeks. So what you're saying to me is a win in a week and a bit's time at Park Talchin will be key to avoiding relegation to the Talchin Cup. So uh, we leave the discussion about Cork and all things Talchin there for now, or Cork men's there for now, because the women's side have a crucial league game this weekend as well. On Sunday, they host Waterford at Cork IT. Shane Renane's team have lost their opening two rounds of the league against last year's All-Ireland finalists Mead and Dublin. So, Kieran, they'll be really hopeful of picking up their first win of the season on Sunday. If this game is played on paper, you say this is a game that Cork will win, but we know the games aren't. It, 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 it isn't that straightforward. But this is a game that Cork need to win, and it's a game that Cork should win. I know they're disappointed with their performance against Dublin last time out when Cork just weren't at the races at all. And new boss Shane Renane said as much afterwards that the work ethic just wasn't there. And he said that the team performance bordered on embarrassing at times. So he'll be hoping for a big reaction from Cork. They're home this Sunday. They're home against a Waterford team that they've, they've beaten um, over the last couple of years when they've played them. Because there's a lot on the line for both teams. Both have lost their open two league games to Mead and Dublin. And the loser of this game will go into the Division 1 relegation playoff. And it's just a... It's a scenario or situation that Cork do not want to find themselves in. But this is a chance for Shane Renane to see what he's what his team is made of. It's a very kind of early season gut check. They they have home advantage. They have there's some really really good players in their ranks. I'm not sure what or how many more Navy players will be back in this this Sunday. If if any, but Cork still have enough good players in their ranks without the more Navy contingent to get the the win that they need. And if they do that, they can just 
tick that box with the league. The league is over. Okay, didn't get to the semi-finals, but didn't get relegated, and then it's all about preparing for the championship. And Kieran, that game is of course going to be played on Sunday at two p.m. at Cork IT or MTU or whatever they're calling their GAA facility there at the minute. Maybe you could clarify that for me because I don't hundred percent know, but it's MTU. Yeah, MTU. So the GAA facility at MTU will play host to Cork versus Waterford on Sunday at two p.m. and we'll have full previews and coverage in this and next week's Southern Star of that one now our guest this week is the new Beira GAA divisional manager Andrew Fitzgerald a Kerry man with plenty of experience coaching in both football and basketball and Kieran I know you know a bit about Andrew from his time involved in basketball in Kerry so before we hear from the man himself you might just give us a bit of background on him so Andrew Fitzgerald, like you said earlier, is from the Spa GA Club, which is just outside Killarney Town. But Andrew would be better known for his basketball background um, with, with St. Paul's and Killarney Cougars, and he's a, a player and a coach. And I think it's quite interesting that that with Andrew's strong basketball background, how that'll manifest itself in football. He's also involved as with, with um, Sneem Derry Nan in South Kerry. They're a, they're a football club there, so he's, he's manager there as well. And you talk about it soon in our chat, how he how he implements almost a basketball thinking and tactics into football. So it's good. I think it's a quite exciting appointment for for Barra because it's come out and over. It's it's quite left field. They've gone for a for a very different option to almost revitalize and reinvigorate um Barra football. Because if if we're being quite honest over the last couple of years, Barra football, like all like all divisions, but maybe not all divisions, like a couple of divisions just hasn't been going as well as possibly it could or should be. So the fact that Andrew Fitzgerald, he's a new voice, he's, he's coming into Beira. Um, what might help as well is that he's an outsider as such. So he's no affiliation or to any of the, the six clubs in Beira. So he's coming in fresh voice, new voice, new ideas, um, no preconceptions about clubs, players or so on. So that I, I think that, that would work to his advantage. What he need is a buy-in. He need a buy-in from the clubs, he need a buy-in from the players um, to get Bearer football back up and running. But it, I think it's it, it's an exciting appointment. It'll be just, just to see how it works out now. We were chatting um, before we recorded the interview and he was telling me almost about his philosophy for he, he likes he likes every player to train session to have a football. He's very much into that. He, he's not a fan of going to football training session where there's only five footballs there. He wants 30, 35 footballs there. So each player has a ball. So he's, he's very much into the into that aspect. Um, so it's going to be, um, uh, it's a deviation from the norm for Beira. They've gone outside. It's a, it's almost especially for Beira too, because it's 25 years since they won their last Cork Senior football title back in, in 1997. And that was a, a hell of a, of a Beira football team. Beira is always known as football country. There's no hurling as such in, in Beira. This is football territory. There's some good young footballers coming up as well. The Beira Miners won the Rebel Oak um, Premier One Minor Championship last December. So there's a, there's talent in the division. It's just about harnessing that. And I think that will be Andrew Fitzgerald's big challenge to, to get the best out of Beira. And it'll be interest, interesting to see how he gets on. But as you'll hear from him now, he's very excited about his new challenge. We're joined now on the Star Sport podcast by the new manager of the Beira 
senior divisional football team, Andrew Fitzgerald, to chat about his exciting new role and also tell us a small bit about himself. Uh, first off, Andrew, congrats on the new job. Um, how did this whole role come about um, to take over as manager of the Bear senior football team? Um, I suppose really it was a chance meeting um, with, with, with um, some of the backroom team of the Vera Peninsula and Alan Devan from Port McGee. Alan has been involved for many years training teams and I suppose he brings a really professional um, set up and um, an organisation to every team he's been with. So I suppose Alan, Alan got me involved with them and I suppose Alan is just just after having a, a, new, a new baby girl, Grace. So he's going to more or less take a backseat and uh, let me take the reins for the moment. It's a fierce, exciting um, opportunity given the, the tradition and history of Beira football. But before we chat about them, tell us a small bit about yourself and your, your background in football and sport in general. Well, I suppose, Kieran, my own club is Spa in Killarney and I would have played for many years with Spa and East Kerry as well, um, years, years ago now. But um, I suppose this year I'm managing the Sneem Derrynan GA club and that's that's been exciting and uh, I suppose the response has been excellent. But over the years, I've been involved with different um, spa teams and East Kerry teams in, in, a, in a management capacity. And I suppose um, this, this is really an, an exciting new role and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I suppose I know you well, Andrew, from your, from your, your basketball exploits in Killarney and you've 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 a reputation in terms of basketball and now you're kind of veering into, into the football side of things too. But from basketball to football, what are the what can you take from your basketball background that can that you can use in football? Well, I suppose in recent years it's it's really come to prominence, I suppose, with, with a lot of high profile GA players also being really good basketball players, but I suppose traditionally at, at, at Gaelic football trainings, you know, it was the concept of running around the field and having two footballs, whereas in basketball, it's always been a more tactical approach and everybody has a ball in hand. So you're, you're really working on your fine motor skills all the time. And I suppose the footwork from basketball, the defensive setups from basketball, I think we see more and more in the GA, especially um, zone pressing kickouts. And I suppose um, with regard to the way the defences are setting up as well, I suppose we even see the carry now, but the Northern teams have been a, a bit ahead of the curve with that for, for many years. And they're... They implement a lot of, um, I suppose, what it, what it be basic setups in basketball where you're double teaming the ball and sending help from the weak side and stuff. And I suppose with the evolution of the kick out in the G as well, you see a lot more uh, screening off the ball and creating channels of space for players to get open. So I suppose that's a big crossover from the basketball world. And I suppose none more so than you'd see with the Dublin GA. They, they involved uh, Mark Ingle, who was an international basketball coach for many years, and Jason Sherlock in their back backroom team. And I suppose that was re- really evident in, in their um, set-up and the kick-outs in the past few years. So there obviously is, like, there, like you said, there, there is a, a big overlap between basketball and football. So turning out to your your new role as well with the Bearers Senior Football Management Team, uh, like we said, it's a it's it, it's a division with a proud history um, it, when it comes to football. It's won the Cork Senior Football Championship six times. The last was back in, in 1997. And if we're being honest, I suppose it's been kind of slim pickings in, in recent years. So heading into this job, what's your expectation and target for the season ahead, Andrew? Um, I suppose the, the big thing is to bring um, a setup that the players will be happy to be involved with and excited to be involved with. I suppose my, my big thing with, with every club I've been involved with is player development and 
trying to help every player become the best player he can possibly be. So, so it's not setting up the stall to say, we'll win this or we'll win that. It's about each player saying, I'm going to become the best player I can possibly be and, and putting the structures in place that allow that to happen. I suppose with regard to Beira, I suppose um, just, just from what I know the last few years, I know they've had a good few Cork minors and even last year they won the Cork minor championship at the top grade. So I suppose that all that that is all promising for the future, but it, but I think it's really important to have the top, the top are, are the best um, structures in place for those players players to play at the top level. And I suppose having this fair uh, divisional side gives that opportunity. But I suppose on the on the downside of that, it's probably um, ge- a little bit geographically challenged, where, where a lot of the players are working away and find find it hard to. Uh, probably even make their own club games, let alone commit to a divisional side, which which obviously will take a lot of commitment at that standard. You mentioned there about uh, the Bear Miners last year. Yeah, they won the Rebelow County Premier One minor football title, which was a huge win for, for Bear Football. And afterwards, Kieran O'Sullivan, who was involved in the team and a former Cork footballer, he said, this has put Bear Football back on the map again. And even ongoing right now, the, the Bear Community School senior football team is true to the All-Ireland a school semi-final at their level which I think is, is D level which is good for the school too because it's and good for Bear football because it's a lot of young lads around Bear are getting the chance to test themselves I think they're playing the Ulster champions quite soon but what you touched on there Andrew it's just to have the structure for those young fellas to come into and then develop Yeah absolutely and like you mentioned there with the school team I think it's important to remember as well like that the Bear Peninsula might be a big place but there's only one secondary school in, in, in the peninsula, which, which is an indication of the population there. Um, you know, um, they, they, they are challenged with, with, with I suppose, uh, population and stuff, and they don't have the same pick uh, as, the, as the, I suppose, industrial areas closer to the city and stuff. But um, like you said there, I suppose, what, 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 what I suppose I see my role is, is bringing the opportunity for the players to... Uh, to, to, to develop their individual skills and, and, and as part of a team playing, playing in a structure the same as the, the other top divisional sides are playing. And you mentioned earlier too, Andrew, that you were involved in the East Kerry divisional team across the county bounds in Kerry. So you have knowledge of the workings of a divisional team and like obviously bear our divisional team as well. So in terms of, of, of organising trainings and getting them together, you know how difficult that is around around clubs so you're kind of well aware of the was the, the challenges that lie ahead for you and, and your management team yeah definitely I suppose I suppose I was with the East Kerry minor team that, that won the county championship 2014 and while, while we had a, a fantastic group of players I suppose the big thing was 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 getting those players to gel together and I suppose um, establish the roles within that team I suppose because they're obviously going to be different to the roles that they have established with, with their clubs where they're probably used to being on the ball a lot more or whatever, and we're asking them to do something different. And I suppose looking from the outside, watching the East Kerry team the last couple of years, that was very strong as well. But but I suppose the big challenge for that management was also get, get, getting those players to, to work as part of a system that, that's probably different to what they're used to with their clubs. And I, I think you see that with any divisional side that's successful. It, it's it's being able to get those players to work together as, as part of one, as one system. And, and I think you've seen it last year with the likes of Nagel, the longer they get together, the better they get. And then I suppose the downside of that is with a lot of divisional sides, just why they have lots of talent, it does take that time to, to, to establish a system and a method of play that everyone buys into. If you have a message to the clubs of Beira and, and uh, the footballers of Beira who listen to, to this podcast, why should they why should they give their support to the Beira football team this season? 
Well, well, I suppose for 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 every Bear player, which which is which is obvious, it's 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 their commitment to their club is always number one, and their, and their pride of their area that they're from and that they care for. But I suppose the the opportunity that, that the Bear uh, divisional side presents is that they get the chance to play at the highest level in the Cork Rugby Championship and represent their area as 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 the top the top standard of football in Cork County. Oh, fantastic. Um, what's your timeline? So when do you hope to, I suppose, get started, put the, put the feet on the ground in Beira and get this, uh, get this exciting new chapter underway? Well, to, well, to be fair, jo- Joey and Mike from the divisional board have been absolutely amazing and they're um, building up correspondence with, with, with the clubs in Beira to make sure that um, everything will run smoothly and that won't clash with club games and club trainings and basically that players will be, be be available as much as possible for what we're trying to do. Um, I suppose one other big advantage that Beira has is that it's it's a football-dominant part of the county and um, hurling doesn't seem to to feature as strongly, so, that, so that'll give us an opportunity maybe to prepare the way we want to. Oh, it's a very exciting times ahead, Andrew, for Beira Football. I just want to wish you best to look for the season ahead. Thanks, thanks very much, Kieran. I'm looking forward to chatting again soon. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, The loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalised and customised to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertiliser crisis now as we know, um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800 839 And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie, or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. Three West Cork athletes brought gold home after the National Athletics Indoor Championships. Over the weekend, on Sunday, Balanine Bullet, Phil Healy of Bandon Athletics Club, was at her supreme best as she won her 15th national title. On Saturday, Dara McElhenney raced to his first senior national indoor title with a commanding win in the 3,000 metres and Bandon Athletic Club's Shane Howard power to gold in the men's long jump on Saturday. Kieran, a fantastic, memorable, historic weekend for West Cork Athletics. Another golden weekend for West Cork Athletics. And if you saw the front page of last week's Southern Star, we, we, we went with the headline, Going for Gold, and our local athletes delivered. So we looked at, at Shane Howard first, um, the Athletic Club, 
uh, long jump, and he won his second indoor national title last weekend. His first is back in, in 2019. His fifth jump last Saturday of seven metres, 47 centimetres, was enough to land the 27-year-old. He's his latest I've seen a title because he's also previously won the outdoor gold as well. So that was gold number one for Cork. And then Darren McElhinney, uh, a friend of the show, we only had him on last week. He was a favourite going into the men's 3,000 metres last Saturday and he delivered. It was almost built as a showdown between himself and Nicholas Griggs. He's a 17-year-old up-and-comer. But Dara just showed his class here. Like, he had a, a comfortable win. He won in, in 8.02, I think it was, which is almost 17 seconds outside his PB that he set in, um, in, in France a couple of weeks ago. So even though the time wasn't what he hoped it would be, I was chatting to him on Monday and he was saying that he ran his last kilometre in 2.26. And that's almost what he wanted because he's going to the World Indoors in Belgrade in the middle of this month, in the middle of March. And he said to get through the heat and advance through the rounds, you have to be looking at doing the last kilometre in 2.25, 2.26. So he did it in 2.26 and he felt even then that he had the room to go even a tiny bit faster. So I think he got what he wanted out of the senior national indoors because he carried a tag of favourites and he, it, it rested almost effortlessly on his shoulders. He won his first senior national indoor title and he ran that last, fast last kilometre. So he'll be pretty happy going into the world indoors. And just a note too for his brother Owen, who in the race beforehand won the men's 2000 metre B final and um, own runs for, for Bantry Athletic Club. So it was a McElhinney double in the men's 3000 metres at the National Indoors last weekend. And then the attention switched to Sunday and the women's 400 metre final where Phil Healy was the favourite. She breezed through her heat on Saturday and she, she looked supreme and she was just class personified again in the final as well. And she set a championship record um, I think it was 51, uh, 51.75 seconds, which is only 100 of a second outside her PB that she set recently as well. So national title number 15 for Phil between indoors and outdoors. And it was her seventh national indoor title, which is an incredible when you consider that she's racked, racked up that many national titles. And Phil too will be in action at the World Indoor um, athletics championships in Belgrade in a couple of weeks time but first she'll be in action at the world tour event in Madrid on Wednesday night of this week and that's in a, another top class field so there's real real promise there that she'll run another fast time and it's just just worth noting too Jack that all of Phil Healy's 400 meter runs this year have been sub 52 seconds so she's really been consistently brilliant here race after race after race and she's not too far off the Irish 400 meter women's indoor record. Um, I think she's only 0.16 of a second. So hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we can see Phil, Phil break that barrier. But yeah, great weekend for West Cork athletes. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And congratulations to all the clubs involved as well. Kieran, one last story before we preview this week's Southern Star, and that is Liverpool's Carabao Cup final victory over Chelsea at Wembley on Sunday. And of course, we found a West Cork connection to this story too. Well, we found a West Cork connection to this story uh, probably last year at some point, but you're, you've revived it for this week's paper because Dunmanway are on top of the world again. There's a West Cork link to almost every story. I've been, I've been saying that for, for years now and no one's been listening, but maybe they listen now, Jack. Maybe they listen now because Quivine Kelleher 
the the Liverpool Cup winning goalkeeper um, scored the winning spot kick as it turned out. He's very strong links to the anyway. His father, the late Ray Kelleher, and his grandfather, Timothy Kelleher, both of Dunmanway stock. And even his father, Ray, played with the Donnies and he won a West Cork minor football title back in 1978. Donnies beat Bentry. And then in 1993, Ray was part of the Don. He was the coach of the Donnies team that won the county junior A. And then two years later, Ray was coach of the Donnies team that won the county intermediate title. And Ray was also, I think, a coach of the senior Donnies team, even as even back. I think it was even 2012, I think it was. So he's very much um, Ray Kelleher, a Donnie's GA legend. So I think everyone around Donnie's and Domenico is kind of delighted to see Cuevin Kelleher's rise to the ranks. And interesting to see that Jorgen Klopp hailed him as the best number two goalkeeper in the world. Um, I think Cuevin, like he was brilliant the last day, uh, scored, like kept a clean sheet in, in normal time, scored a win penalty. But look at the job he has on his hands to try and to knock Alisson off the number one perch, like that's not an easy job at all. But um, that's probably his challenge in the in, in, in the short and long term. But for now, he can bask in the glory of being Liverpool's cup winning hero. And there's a good West Cork link there. Yeah, absolutely. And if I was him, I don't think I'd be in a massive rush out of Liverpool just yet. Because you can imagine training day in, day out with Alisson, who's arguably the best goalkeeper in the world at the minute is only going to help his development. And then maybe as he moves into his mid to late twenties, he might see an opportunity to move elsewhere in the Premier League, or maybe Alisson will get tired of the cold of the Northwest of England and want to move to sunnier climes as most South Americans do after they spend five or six years in England. So the number one spot could open up for him if he sticks around long enough, who knows, but regardless, a fantastic penalty to finish it off and just thank his lucky stars that it was Kepa in goal against him and not Mendy because I think Mendy would have saved some of those Liverpool penalties but Kepa was acting the maggot and Liverpool got the better of him on every single occasion. Kieran, before we preview this week's paper, do you want to just jump in there? Yeah, isn't it great to see how that backfired on Chelsea in one sense? brilliant. It's Kepa, you could see he was full of the joys of life coming on and he looked like a man who meant business and of course, okay, he's a there's a good penalty record and he was trying his, his bit of hijinks with, with the penalties yeah. and then he didn't save any and then he missed a crucial one and I, I think that ball is probably still travelling through the air as, as we speak so he almost got his comeuppance in, in one sense and um, yeah, it was just very ironic that Chelsea made that move and it just backfired spectacularly. Even the penalty he took himself like he took it so lackadaisical it was like one of the situations you'd see in an international rugby game where Ireland score under the posts and Johnny Sexton takes his penalty and he just barely sets it up nowhere on him, just kind of clips it over the bar because there's no need for the big song and the dance. He just knows it's an easy kick. That's almost look, That's almost what it looked like Kepo was doing. Just set the ball down, clipped it over the bar, take the two points and uh, set back up for the restart. But the problem was it was a penalty shootout in soccer, not a conversion in rugby. So no use for Kepa and no use for Chelsea and Mendy must have been raging because I don't know if you watched the African Cup of Nations final a few weeks ago between Egypt and Senegal and Mendy was brilliant in the shootout I think he saved three of Egypt's penalties and then two weeks three weeks later he's taken off in those circumstances Tuchel must have made a promise to Kepa that if it went to penalties he'd bring him on but I'm sure he's regretting it now but anyway that's enough about 
Kepa Arizabergalagra, or however he says his name, I can't quite pronounce it. Let's preview this week's Southern Stars sports section, Kieran. What can readers expect? I'm going to stick with soccer for a second. And you mentioned Cuevin Keller and he's linked to Dunmanway. It was a good weekend for Dunmanway Town in the Beamish Cup. They kept their bid for the three in a row alive, but it went all the way to penalties before they beat Trina Rangers. This was a heavyweight battle of the round. It was three all after normal time and extra time. And then Dunmanway won 6-5 on penalties. And I think their, their goalkeeper was the, the hero of the hour there. So, so well done to Dunmanway. And we've had full round up of the Beamish Cup action in this weekend, this Thursday Southern Star. And also the Trina Rangers women, we mentioned them last week, they were... The first ever women's team from the West Cork League in action in the in the Munster Women's Junior Cup, and they went and won, and they're through to the next round. They they um they they won on penalties after extra time. It finished one all after after extra time. So congrats to the Greener Rangers women. It's onwards and upwards for them. There's a lot of GA in this week's Southern Star. Of course, we've all the intercounty action. The the Hoarders great win against Limerick. That's they're going to now as favourites for for the for the league crown, and you can see why that was a really impressive performance by the by the Cork hurlers. We the followed from the the Cork footballers last to Galway. We have a report and reaction from Cork Camogie. They beat with well, a hockey Limerick in the in the in the match at Parky Cueve last Saturday evening. That was before the Cork footballers, but I think that game was of much use to either Cork or Limerick because Cork put up five goals in the first half. I think they were nearly twenty points up at half time. So um, you almost have to ask questions of what about the Limerick team up up in Division One, but sticking with local G GAA, I have an interview with with Gino Driscoll. He's the Tide McCarrick manager. Where we're just looking at the junior season ahead because there's a new Premier Junior Football grade um, coming on stream in 2023, and it just means that this year's Carby Junior A Football Championship carries a huge prize, where the winner this year goes wins promotion to the the new county grade in 2023. So there's a huge reward for this year's Carberry Junior A football winner. So Gene talks about that. But he also hits out at the fact that we're now in March and we still don't know what the Carberry Junior A football championship will look like. There's a hold up at the moment of whether it's going to be the group stage format of 16 teams or will it be the 21 team knockout like we've had the last couple of years. Hopefully there'll be white smoke over the, the next couple of weeks and we'll finally find out. But he's making a point. It's now March. We're trying to prepare for a championship that we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know when the games will be played. Um, he also questions that there's 21 teams in the Carabao Junior Football. He said that's too many because some teams don't deserve to be there. And he's right. So it's a good interview with, with Gino Driscoll. We also have um, great news as well from Quebec BGA Club who are going to field underage ladies football teams for the very first time. They opened their new state-of-the-art gym. Uh, last Friday night so um, good times for Kilmeck to be on and off the pitch so that's there and we have a lot more as well so as you can see Jack plenty to sink your teeth into in terms of Southern Star Yeah brilliant stuff Kieran. and if you can't make it to the shops to pick up a hard copy of Thursday's Southern Star you can always go online and subscribe just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the Southern Star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less then two euro per week what an absolute bargain thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts slant